Hi, my name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Molly Keck. And we are with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Thank you everybody for coming back and joining us this week. Now we're getting into kind of the end of the warm weather season, or at least the decent weather season, and probably throughout most of Texas, unless you're in the far south, you are experiencing some cold fronts, some cooler temperatures, which usually means that a lot of our tropical plants and our vegetable gardens are starting to die off or thin out, and it's time to kind of turn those beds over. And now is a perfect time to start thinking about what you can do to make it so that next spring, when you are planting those, those flowers or those vegetables, you have fewer insect issues in the garden because it all, it all starts six months, if not more prior to actually putting those plants in the ground or watching them come up out of the ground. This is something that I'm always terrible at. I I am terrible at cleaning up the garden and preparing it before winter season. And I don't know if it's just because I'm so worn out from like the growing season and dealing with everything that by the time it comes around here, I'm just like, Oh, I'll get it later. And then it gets cold. And then I'm like, I'm not going outside. And so, yeah, I need to be on the ball. I'm, I'm exactly the same way. I just kind of let it all die off and then it's too cold and I don't like being cold. So then I stay inside (laughs) and I leave it all a mess. And so I don't do I don't do one of the biggest things that I'd say there's probably four things to do in the winter or going into winter to prep your garden for the spring. And the biggest of those four is removing all the debris and plant material that's dead and dying. And also recognizing, you know, I've got some okra plants, a couple okra plants that are kind of still producing some okra. I should have pulled those out of the garden, like three weeks ago, probably, because all they're going to do is encourage aphids and bad bugs there. So also we need to recognize like, when is that plant at the end of its life and pull it up before it's dead? Yeah. I have tomatoes that I need to get rid of. I'm, it was one of those. I was like, yeah, I should probably pull those out. And they're still there. That was like two weeks ago. It's like, mm. just cause it's green. It's not meant to still be alive. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like there's no tomatoes on it at all. (laughs) It will never flower again, but it's still green. (laughs) I I always hear people say, well, I cut back my tomatoes so they can come back. And I'm like, you just should put, I mean, there's what, like a dollar 50 at the store, $2, $3, depending on the size of the transplant, just pull it and get rid of it. Cause they don't live an infinite life. They're not like trees or even like your perennials that you cut down and then they come back from the root or whatnot. They just pull it out and start all over fresh again. Don't cut back your vegetables and see if they'll come back on their own. But yeah, so, so getting rid of all that junk that's in the garden right now. And so speaking specifically about vegetable gardens, this is really just pulling them up from the root and putting them in the trash can. And I, if if they're loaded up with insects, I usually tell people don't even put them in your compost pile. And my big problem is I will be in the garden and I'll pull up the plant and then I'll throw it to the side instead of taking it with me the extra 15 steps it takes to get it to a trash can. So get it completely out of there because it still smells good to those bad bugs. They're still going to find it. Well, and then there's the, also the, um, so when I, when I do actually pull my plants out, (laughs) which is usually in the spring, which shouldn't happen. 
I will bring either like a big bin or the garbage can to me. So when I'm throwing that stuff away, I'm throwing it directly into the garbage can. That way, if there are any insects on it or any, you know, whatever, if it, if there's weeds that I'm pulling out, I try to put those directly in. That way it's not kind of spreading as I'm moving it through the yard to go wherever I'm going. Yeah, that's smart. That's probably what I should be doing. I just throw it in a pile and then I drag it somewhere if I even get to that point. But what are some of the, uh, as I'm thinking about it, some of the bugs that really love to hang out in that, all that debris, like oh, squash bugs, uh, like hard things, right? <laughs> like I'm thinking aphids are going to freeze. If you get a cold snap and you get a yeah. freeze, they're going to die off. But your squash bugs, harlequin bugs, even probably leaf-footed bugs. Yeah, any any of those like leaf-footed bugs, stink bugs, all of those hemipterans are going to be hiding down in that debris. And you know, the, the thing is, this is where it's kind of hard, where you have to pick and choose what you're removing and what you're not removing. Because, you know, we also talk about con- uh, conserving a lot of the insects that are in your landscape. And so I always tell people, you know, leave the leaf litter that's on the ground around your trees, but that's different than in my vegetable garden. In the vegetable garden, it's like, I got to clean that out to make sure that nothing is hanging out there. So it's kind of a mix your areas and conserve certain areas, yes. but not others. Yes. And okay. So leaf footed bugs and squash bugs, we have like fall and winter squashes. And then when it warms up again, we're going to be planting zucchini and squat yellow squash again, you know, so those things never have to leave to go find food elsewhere. So it's terrible to leave your dead dying squashes, melons, and pumpkins in there, even though they're prickly and they itch and stuff, just put on gloves and cowboy up and do it. And then, um, the other one is uh, cucumber beetles. They overwinter as adults. I learned fairly recently. So if you let them hang out in your dead cucumber and any cucurbit, I think they'll even get onto squash and things, melons and and pumpkins for sure. Mm -hmm. So you leave that stuff in there and then you're going to have so many more cucumber beetles come spring and you plant those little babies in the ground and they eat those little tiny little plants up to nothing. And those plants never never are able to outgrow the damage that they do. And then you don't have anything. So get rid of the trash. So you actually can have plants in the spring. Um, and then, an, Oh, another thing I was reading about is that if you leave some of that debris, even if you think it's clean of insects, you don't find any on there. Um, they'll still come find it and find a way to hunker down. They don't necessarily have to be on the plant, but there's some diseases that will overwinter like fungus. And I guess the spores of the fungi and things, in those dead plants. And so then they're probably in the soil too. And then bad news for springtime. So just get rid of all of them. Also, I guess it is a bit of debris removal, not just the dead plants, but controlling the weeds too, and not letting those guys seed, you know, it's, you don't go out there and you don't notice them, but maybe they're flowering a little bit. And once they flower, then they're going to set seed. And now you're going to have three times as many weeds as you had before. Well, I'm always surprised because, you know, my tomatoes are huge. And so when I rip those out, then I'm like, oh, wow, there's a bunch of stuff down here that I had no idea was here. Cause I couldn't see it. And so, yeah, pulling that stuff out as well and getting rid of it is yeah. always important. So I don't have that problem next year. And there's lots of bugs that like to hang out on weeds too. And, you know, find the, that's where they spend their off time or their mating time is on weeds. So I, I always, always tout weed control, weed control, or at least controlling 
all the way around your garden, getting rid of the weeds. Don't just let the weed, don't let the weeds go all the way up to your beds. We're not talking about inside the beds necessarily, but also around those beds because the closer the weeds are, the closer the bugs are. And then another thing to think about is crop rotation, which, you know, you might be plant. I guess it's a little bit too late for most of the state, but maybe in the South, you could probably still be putting in some seeds or maybe some of those coal crops. And maybe you have some things early, early on in the season to plant, but like for me, I don't ever just completely put my, all of my garden to bed. It's like I left the okra in for a little bit and then planted the broccoli. Right. So I always have like this rotation happening, but that means that I really have to Mm -hmm. focus and be smart about where I put things. Because if you plant, you know, say you've got like five little garden beds, right. Or even just three little garden beds, you don't always want to have one bed, be your tomato bed and one bed, be your cucumber bed and your squash, you want to try to rotate by family. And I think that also people need to do a little bit more research on figuring out what family your plants are in and recognizing, you know, cucumber, like, you know, tomatoes are in the nightshade family. I don't know what else is in the nightshade family, uh, eggplant peppers. So don't plant tomatoes and then put in peppers and then next season put in eggplant because it's the same dadgum family. They have the same dadgum pests. And then same thing, cucurbits is one I think that confuses people. Cucumbers and melons and squash are all in the same family, aren't they? It, you know, those things that don't necessarily look alike. So rotate by family what's in those beds because it's only, you know, two steps for you to move from bed to bed, but that's like two miles for a bug to go. So maybe it's long enough that something eats them along the way and there's less of them getting into the next bed. And then another thing to also do is when you do pull up those plants and you'd walk them to the trash can, take some time to flip that soil over. I, every early spring, I get pictures from people who have, who find like tomato hornworm pupa in their soil. And they're turning the soil over now a little bit too late to prep their bed. They're adding fertilizer, you know, and they're mixing it all up, prepping that bed for the spring and finding some bad bugs. They're finding, usually it's, usually it's, it seems to be, um, tomato hornworms, maybe some moth pupa, but the pupa and the eggs generally will go through the winter time in the soil. Mm -hmm. And so if you can turn them over now, they're closer to the surface. And if we get a freeze, they die. Or if it's really dry, they dry out, you know, they're outside of that, that kind of moisture that's in deeper in the soil. So they're exposed for predators. So make it, you know, make it so that you have less going into the springtime by just turning that soil over a little bit. You don't have to till it, right. You don't have to get like a foot down there, but just break it with your hand. You're loosening up the soil too. I think that does a number of good things, not just exposing the bad guys to the elements. So would this be a good time to add some type of compost or fertilizer to that way? It's kind of breaking down already before you plant in the spring. It's something that I don't do either in the fall. I usually just mix that in, in this, but you know, I don't clean my beds out in the fall either. So terrible. I wait until the last minute. I guess you could add compost in there now. Right. But would that be fertilizing some of the weeds and this, those things or I don't, know. I don't know. Well, if you're pulling the weeds out, then you should be good on that one. Right. I guess that's a good question. Call your local extension horticulturist yes. or your master gardener hotline and ask them because we obviously don't know. <laughs> we can tell you about the bugs, but that's yeah. right. Maybe y'all as listeners can tell us about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
I kind of want to say it won't hurt, but maybe it will hurt. So I don't know. (laughs) And I think the last thing, the last big thing to do while you're getting ready for the spring really has nothing to do with prepping the bed or doing anything with the soil, but just getting your equipment ready for the next year. As a beekeeper, I always tell people, this is the time to like fix your equipment, buy new stuff, get ready for the big boom of the spring. Cause when you're in spring, it's like too late. Everything's out of stock. So figure out, you know, do you need to sanitize some of that equipment with a little bit of bleach or Clorox wipes? There's pathogens and there's little insect eggs and other stuff. If, if you're pruning things back, especially in, in your, not maybe your vegetable garden, but your ornamental, your landscape, then it's a good idea to sanitize that equipment afterwards. So it's not just sitting there until the springtime. And, um, then that, that young susceptible plants going to be in more danger. Yeah. Taking stock of what's, what's broken. If you have any broken tools and replacing handles or whatever, the other big one for me is sharpening stuff. Sharpening. Yes. It's just, you know, cause getting my husband to do that for me is a process. So it's always mm-hmm. good to, it's like, I got a good stretch here in the winter. So <laughs> let's do it during this period of time. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, it's such a pain to get somebody to sharpen it for me. You think I would just learn on my own that it's almost easier to go out and spend the money on a brand new thing. So I have all these loppers, but none, <laughs> all of them are dull. <laughs> You hear me cussing and yelling out in the springtime as I'm pruning stuff back because everything's just not cutting and it's just squishing. Yes. (laughs) I have it between my, like my, my stomach and my arm so I can pull as tight as I can. It's not just you. (laughs) Good to know. So we didn't really talk about the landscape. Are there, do you kind of follow the same strategies in your, in your flower beds and things? I mean, I think with my flower beds, I I'm not ripping things out per se. Cause I, I generally don't do annuals. I did, I did plant some blooming annuals this year and I ripped those out a couple of weeks ago because mm-hmm. they were looking terrible. And I was just like, and the fortunate thing, they were right by the curb where I had the garbage can to be picked up. So I was like, perfect. Oh, I could just chunk these here. So it was perfect. Um, but you know, usually once I get that first freeze and the plants just kind of well, they all look dead at that point. Cause they're just yeah. like, that's when I start pruning them and I'll cut them off at the ground. And then I, and I usually do that in stages because it's a lot. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to get overwhelmed. And plus I only have so much space to kind of chunk stuff in certain areas. So I, you know, cut those off at the ground. And I mean, with the roses, I usually, I leave those up. I don't prune those until usually February, like Valentine's day. I've always heard around Valentine's day. Yeah. And, but the rest of the stuff that kind of dies back, you know, that all kind of goes. The other thing is the plants that I move indoors that, you know, I got to give the once over that making sure I'm not bringing stuff inside. Right. Yeah. I think the annuals usually tell you when they look terrible. Like I really, I have some zinnias. It's time to pull those guys. Cause they, I looked outside and they look bad, but then do, so I'm always sometimes afraid to cut things back too soon because then what if it freezes hard and I kill them? So do you, are there certain plants that you won't cut back and you'll just let all the leaves fall back and then cut them down when it, when you know that you're out of the, the woods for the cold freeze? Um, you don't worry about it. Not really. I mean, I, yeah, I just kind of chop them and 
you know, if they survive, they survive. If they don't, then that's right. It was a good experiment. I figure <laughs> if they come back from the root, right. Cause some of them will come from the root as opposed, you know, like lantana is one and plumbago, I think. I have been trying to get rid of lantana in my front bed for 10 years now, and it keeps coming back. I mean, I have literally pulled these out with my husband's truck. Wow. So I, I know I had the majority of the, but they're still there, but it's like, I get a rash anytime that I touch the lantana. And so I'm just like, I got to get these out of here. They're making me crazy, but they keep coming back. So I'm just like, I give up. Is it the gold star? Uh, yeah. Real hardy. <laughs> they definitely are. <laughs> it's so pretty though. It's so pretty and yellow. Mine are still blooming a little bit, not real good, but, but just a little bit. Well, this is also, if you have trees that need to be pruned, you know, winter is a great time to do that as well. So be thinking about that. You can line up somebody to come out and trim any trees because you, especially with oak trees, cause you don't have to worry about uh, the oak wilt beetle and the fungus being transferred during these cooler months of the year. So that would be a great time to get that done. Especially, I know a lot of people had damage last year with the freeze that we had. So if you didn't get that done <laughs> during the freeze, then you can get that taken care of now and kind of prep that in case, in case we get another freeze and branches start falling again. I don't know. Let's hope that doesn't happen again. That was crazy. So they say, they say it's supposed to be another cold winter, but I mean, time will tell, right? I think it's also a good time to trim some of those branches and shrubs and things because the wasp nests that might be hiding inside those are dying off. And all that's really left right now are males and maybe some Queens that are going to overwinter. So if you've been afraid to get into some of those bushes, because you know that you've got paper wasps in there somewhere, they, they should not be as aggressive, but I mean, I'd still be ready to drop stuff and run if you have to, just in case. <laughs> and wear, wear leather gloves when you're reaching into stuff, just so if there is something there, you don't get a big surprise. And, you know, that also brings up the whole, um, you know, if they're using those tree branches, like if they're overhanging the house or touching it or something, then there's stuff that can use that as a way to get into the house. So trimming those back to get that away from the structure is going to be a good idea too. It's just house cleaning time or housekeeping yeah, time, right? Yeah. Kind of. It's the unfun garden stuff, right? Yep. <laughs> stuff that you don't actually want to do, but you really need to. <laughs> you, you definitely have to. Yeah. And then I think probably the other thing that people need to think about is, I mean, and this isn't something they have to formally sit down and do and, you know, have a big discussion, but, you know, think about the pest problems that you had over the past year and what you did about it. And, you know, is there something that you can do differently to avoid that problem from popping up next year? Or maybe you want to try a different control strategy or something like that. So kind of just kick that around in the back of your head and, you know, maybe change tactics and see if that works better for you. Yeah, that's right. Cause if you had them this year, really good chance you're going to have them next year too. Cause they know where the good stuff is now. Yep. They've found you. <laughs> they have, <laughs> and they're never going away unless you let that ground go fallow. That's an, that's one thing also to think about, right? Like if you had 
a really bad problem with really, it's more like uh, the ground dwelling stuff. Like if you had nematodes, which I know are not insects or wire worms. Oh yeah. If you were growing like potatoes or carrots or something, then let that soil go fallow for a, you know a season or two and then start planting stuff in it. Try to try to kill whatever's there. So there's, they're not there next time. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people do that with, they try to do that with their squash. It's like, I won't grow squash for three years and then maybe I won't get squash fine borer. And, you know, I, I growing squash and trying to avoid squash fine borer is kind of like playing roulette. In my opinion, it's just like, there's a chance that you might not get it, but there's always the chance that you might. So I know they're so frustrating yeah. too. Cause you spend so much money on pheromone traps and just time and effort and then you still get them and it you know was it could i have saved that amount of money and just bought my squash at the grocery store probably but there is some satisfaction to growing your own food and running out to the garden and picking it and then making it for dinner that night you know but well thank you for joining us this week on bugs by the yard we will catch you next time talking about some other insect that's in the landscape